Welcome to Changeable. This is episode number 213, Rebecca's Change Story, Deconstruction and Shedding Beliefs That No Longer Fit. You're tuned in to Changeable with Dr. Amy Johnson. Changeable podcast is all about breaking habits, ending anxiety, and the ironic way change really works. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey there, welcome back to Changeable. I'm really excited in this episode to introduce you to Rebecca, who is a change coach. um, And she's someone who helps people through habits, eating issues, which she has been through herself, um, all kinds of issues. But one of the topics and what we're going to talk about in this conversation that's near and dear to her heart that she loves to support people through is what she calls deconstruction. So, where belief systems and identities and and an entire life, really an entire reality in a sense, is built upon all of these beliefs. And those beliefs start to look different. They start to deconstruct. And when that happens, as you can imagine, and we've all experienced this in our own ways, sometimes huge and life altering and sometimes relatively minor. But as as these realities built on beliefs begin to shift and crumble and change, you know, everything that we thought we knew is thrown up in the air. And Rebecca talks about this in the context of leaving the church that she was with for 18 years, where she gradually began to question some of what she was hearing there. Um, and she began to question it to the extent that she just couldn't stay any longer. It, it She says it it felt harder to try to fake it and make these ideas fit than it felt to leave. And I love how she talks about this in so many ways. I mean, first, again, like we've all been through this in our own way, probably multiple times in life, not always a really huge life-altering deconstruction, like like a leaving the church you've been with for 18 years or leaving a, a huge relationship or maybe even a family relationship with a family member behind. Um but there's so many little ways too that we just see, oh my gosh, things aren't what my mind told me they were. And that process can be messy. And she talks about it as being really a process of grief. There was a lot of different emotion there and that just makes sense. But she talks about it a lot as a, as a process of grief. But um, so, so this is going to resonate for all of us who, who have been through this ourselves in our lives but there's something even kind of bigger in what we're talking about here is, you know, we go through life and reality looks a certain way. And then there's like little things that start to have us question, questioning sometimes. There's that little voice of intuition. And it's so easy when that voice of intuition goes against what we've been told. And it goes against what everyone we love and respect is believing and what they're telling us. And yet there's something so strong about it that I think, you know, once that process is underway, it can't really be stopped. And I think it's it's really cool to see how that works. Really, really amazing how that works. I love how Rebecca talks about going um, into, I don't know, you know, so, so of course a mind says, oh, wait a minute. I think these things that I'm learning, I think these, this set of beliefs, I don't believe this. This doesn't feel right to me. Of course a mind is going to rush in and try to give 
some alternate beliefs. It's going to create a different identity. Okay, I'm not part of this church. I'm the one who left this church or, you know, whatever it is. It's just going to want certainty. It's going to want something. And there's so much freedom and, and sometimes so much messiness in being in that I don't know space of not knowing what's true, not knowing what we know or what we believe or who we are. And, you know, I think that's talked about in so many of these conversations in various ways, but um, in a really beautiful way with Rebecca. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. Rebecca's an excellent change coach. If you're looking su- for support with, for sure, uh, deconstruction, leaving, uh, you know, whether it's a church or a family or whatever it may be, leaving some identity behind. Um, but also she talks a little bit about finding freedom from her eating disorder all kinds of other things, I definitely recommend checking her out. And I'll put the link to her website here in the show notes. So enjoy this conversation with Rebecca. Hi, Rebecca. Thank you so much for coming on Changeable. Thank you, Amy. I'm very excited to be here. Yeah, I'm super excited too. Um, And I'm really excited to hear more of your experience. So I know um, I've heard a little bit about your, uh, how you've, uh, gone through a lot of change and deconstructing from an organized religion. And I know it's been a huge thing for you. And I love this topic in general um, because, you know, it's so, it's just so much of what we talk about. It it really, I think, speaks to how, how as humans, we, we get, we want an identity. Our mind wants an identity and it wants happiness and it wants peace and it looks all over and and a lot of times we find ourselves thinking that something is it and then realizing, wow, this thing is really not it. So just the whole process of what we're going to talk about, I'm, I'm super excited for people to hear. So, um, so maybe, yeah, just kind of kick us off wherever it makes sense in sort of your uh, story, maybe just in how you, um, how you started in your religion. Yeah. Um, I guess the one thing I do want to start with is just explaining a little bit about the word deconstruction, because I think people can see that obviously if they're not an organized religion or sometimes even if they are, what is that? Mm -hmm. And I simply just explain it as if you construct something, it builds up. Deconstruction, I would just say is simply the breaking down. Mm -hmm. And that's essentially what happens. You just start to break down these beliefs and these constructs that you know, are around your religion. Um, if that makes sense. Um, I love that too, because it speaks to the fact that like you just said, there's, there's first a construction process. So this stuff isn't innate. We learn this and we construct. And then at some point, if that's what feels right is, is that starts to deconstruct. Mm -hmm. Um, I like that you said that it is, I never actually even thought about that, that at some point I must've constructed, these thoughts and these beliefs and this identity. And I think very innocently, I came into it. Um, I mean, I grew up like Catholic, um, like let's say a decent amount of people are familiar with that. Mm -hmm. And then um, I was around the age of 12, I was in middle school and um, just started attending because my parents uh, started attending um, a non-denominational born again Christian church. And just, you know, you're a kid, you know, you go to church or you go places your parents go. And there are many different sects or types of um, organized religion and evangelicalism or baptism. And 
I don't really think the specific specifics of that matter. Um, but just the one that I was in just believed, I would say a lot about our identity was wrong, sinful, um, needed to be fixed because you were born into sin. You need Jesus as a savior. Um, and it was a lot of, for me, my personal experience, it was a lot of striving of not being good enough, trying to do this right, um, behaving in certain ways, um, especially as a woman. <laughs> there was a lot that came around that. Um, a lot of serving and needing to do things for the church or for people. Um, you're expected to be at church, have that community, um, be held accountable for actions or even thoughts and beliefs. Um, and I would say it just, a lot of it just resided in your thinking that wasn't always present when you were at church, but it went outside of that. Like, how were you acting and being at work or at home? Um, and like, if you did something wrong, did, you know, being accountable to someone else and sharing that. And um, I would say it just became really heavy. I mean, it was, I was 12 when I entered the church. I was in my late thirties when I left. Um, and in that time for me, there was just a lot of thinking, um, a lot of striving, a lot of anxiety, um, that something was wrong with me and trying to attain my identity and something outside myself. Yeah. It, did you, did you tie it to, um, the pressure that you felt from church the whole time? Or was that like a, a big aha moment where you sort of saw, Oh, this is making me feel so anxious or how did that part go? Um, I, yes, it was definitely tied to my belief, um, of being not good enough, striving, um, feeling guilty or shame for certain thoughts you had, um, things you wanted to do that wouldn't be accepted by people, you know, around you in your community or wouldn't be accepted by God. Um, and just that uneasy feeling of needing to perform and not being good enough, not just for God, but even the people around you and needing to act in a certain way. Um, I also struggled with an eating disorder for almost 20 years. So personally for me, there was a lot of guilt and shame around that of what's wrong with me? Why can't I fix this habit? Yeah. Um, and that I think my beliefs in God and in the church, I think contributed greatly for me towards that eating disorder of like when it would cycle around again. It wasn't just the shame of, oh, I messed up. I binged, I purged. There was a lot more to it of, is this angry God mad at me? And then even when some of those beliefs shifted, you know, to, oh, maybe he's a loving God. It's still, well, why would I do this if I have a loving God? So a lot of thought and a lot of story um, tied in there with my eating disorder. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Um, I mean, it's hard enough anyway. <laughs> there, you know, there mm -hmm. just there's going to be so much. There just tends to be so much shame and putting it on ourselves and what's wrong with me. And then, yes, to have that added pressure of you should behave a certain way, not just for yourself, but for God and for the world. Yeah, I mean, so so much extra in that. 
Um, so when you were 12, 16, 18, like at those points, how did the religion look to you? Did it look like this is the truth of life and I'm, I need to just do it as well as I can? Or, or were you seeing at that point, wow, this is really hard or this, or I don't know, like, yeah. What did it look like in those early years? It definitely looked like this was the truth. Um, and we're right. The rest of the world who doesn't believe this, I don't think we necessarily said was wrong. It would more be they were lost and just didn't know yet of this God and their nature and that they can find their identity in this God. So definitely was in it. Um, and it, for for at least where I was, it was fear-based. Like you need to believe this or else because you'd go to hell or just some other beliefs that I would say that I don't want to get into details, but that were fear driven. Mm -hmm. Um, I do remember very specific moments that, you know, the pastor, the preacher would be saying something and there would be this like sadness in me of like, but I want to, you know, get old and have grandkids because it, it maybe the teaching was something around like, Jesus returning and, you know, my generation, which was the younger generation at that point, probably wouldn't be around, you know, to get old um, because Jesus would return. And there'd be like this painting in me of like, I feel like I should be excited that Jesus is returning for his people. But I'm like, but I want to get old and have children and have grandchildren. And I felt guilty. And there are some other moments like that as well, that something in me just didn't feel right. And now looking back, seeing like, oh, was that like intuition or wisdom just letting me know like something's not right in what you're practicing, believing as truth. Yeah. But I was in it <laughs> for sure. It's such a, just that is such a huge point. Um, about how we don't feel something doesn't feel quite right and how how our mind is so quick, especially, you know, to hold on to the bigger beliefs that feel sort of safe and like our identity. And then, but but there's that dissonance there. So something has to be wrong and it's us that becomes wrong, you know? So it's like, it was probably easier for your mind. And again, we can look at this for, for anyone in so many areas of life, but it's mm -hmm. like in a moment like that, it's easier for our mind to say, uh, what's wrong with you? Why are you sad about this? This is, this is the, obviously this is what's supposed to happen and get over it or, you know, whatever it does to us, then it would be to challenge what you're being taught, you know, in your religion. Mm -hmm. And so it's like our mind just has to give something up and, and have it all make sense to get rid of that dissonance. And it tends to turn on us personally, rather than turning on the bigger system, because that just feels safer in some way. 100%. And especially in, I feel in a church culture and an organized religion, you're told you can't trust yourself. Like that intuition, you shouldn't follow it. It's not good. Um, it can be evil. So that's just really diminished, I feel, in humans in a church. And I think that intuition, that knowing 
is our greatest gift as, as a human. Um, and it's interesting because as I progressed in my Christianity, um, just attending some different churches and um, just what their belief about following that intuition, that that's the voice of God, which it could be, right? How our higher power, the universe, God, whatever, whatever we name it. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it is, but it it's just interesting how later in my years in religion, that intuition, that knowing wasn't really me. It was the voice of something else, which can be true too, but there was like a very distinct separation like it's not you it's the spirit like there had to be this you're evil and the only reason you're good is because of this god Mm, so just that hard there was just a hard line that separated i don't know there's a hard line of separation i don't know how else to explain that well and i think I, i think uh so much of what starts to bring people peace. I don't, I don't know if that, I shouldn't say it that way, but how it looks to me, I guess, even in just the work that we do is looking toward that oneness, looking toward the fact that, that wow, like life itself, we call it God, whatever you want to call it, but let's just say like life itself is amazing and life giving and, and intelligent and like all of this. And, and we are not separate from that, no matter what's, no matter what form is, is arising or how it's manifesting at all. It's all, it's all that same one loving energy. And that's what I think one of the things at least that really brings people so much peace and, and amongst groups and with other, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, like this is all one energy. It's all connected. And so what you're saying in a sense is like being taught really the complete opposite of that, which I think is just what a lot of what happens in a lot of places in life, but maybe especially in some organized religions is, yeah, it's like, like you're saying, nope, that's you and this is God and they're very separate. And that's, um, I think that was one big thing when I, I guess, started leaving, started questioning things was, wait a minute, what if there is nothing wrong with me? And what if I was never separate from this being, this God universe, just words we try to love. I like to call it love, to be honest. It just was comforting for me. Um, And it's true that I think we just we want to be identified. Like we want to know that we're important, we're unique and the church can serve that and create that community and that oneness. But what if we already are that or had that and didn't need a specific church or community to have that? Like it was just much bigger and broader thinking. Like what if that love and that life and or God or the universe, whatever, it's already in all of us living through us quote talking to us right like that intuition that knowing that wisdom I'm like wait a minute what if i didn't have to do anything or try to be anything to get this it was it's always been there it's it it just changes it yeah and it really speaks to i think the the psychological innocence in 
Mm. in all of this, you know, I mean, cause you have to imagine like a, a, a group of people and you kind of have found the way and everyone else, you know, is lost. And, and it, it just, it does, would make you feel special and it would, and, it, and there's mm-hmm. so much positive and you can speak to that, your experience of it. But I think, yeah, I mean, obviously there's just so much positive in any community in any group that mm-hmm. comes together and, and shares things in that way. And so it's like, you can sort of get a picture of, even though this had so many detrimental effects, it's like, it was really rooted in people just wanting to be happy and feel connected and feel one. And ironically, the more connect, you know, the ways sometimes that we go about connection are all about separation and they end up hurting us in the end. Yeah, there, I mean, like you said, there was definitely, like with anything, positives, right? I wouldn't have stayed in that environment and that community for so long if there weren't. With anything, there's positives and wanting to feel connection and a part of something especially when you're young and you don't, you feel kind of lost in yourself and you're looking for answers. It's kind of easy to join a group or community for that. Um, And there, and there is nothing wrong. Like I don't, I don't bash the church. I don't want to say they're doing anything inherently wrong. Like that's not their motive. Um, There were great relationships and friendships and growth that I had in that community Um, and everyone's doing the best they can with what they have. So I think it's just, for me, it's, it was a personal thing to step away. Not that I looked at the institution and thought, Oh, this is wrong. And they're not doing life. Right. It was just this thing that came up in me that I just literally just was sitting there one day And just questions started popping in my head, like, why do we believe in hell? I mean, it was just so innocent how it just popped up. Um, I started reaching out to a couple people who I thought were also questioning just on based on just based on some things they said, um, and just kind of started diving into doing some historical research and having some conversations with trusted people. Um, And that just kind of led to a domino effect (laughs) of many other questions. And it was for me, naturally, I kind of fell out of that thinking and those beliefs because other thinking replaced it. Yeah. How, how was that though? I would have to imagine that even some of the early questioning and the research and stuff might have some guilt in there. I mean, here you've been taught this for many years, right? And now you're even just questioning what you've been taught and all that. Like, did you feel guilty? Did you feel scared? Like, what what were your emotions kind of as you were going through some of that early questioning? Um, fear. Definitely because of what other people would think or say. Uh, mostly because how do I defend myself? Which there's a whole nother thought and a rabbit trail we could go on that we actually think we have to defend ourselves. Yeah. Uh, but for me, I think that was the main thing. If, if somebody asks me, how do I explain this? I'm like, well, maybe I don't have to explain it. Um, not so much guilt and shame, a lot of grief, mm-hmm. a lot of anger in the beginning of whose responsibility was it to do their research and not teach me this? Um, how does nobody else see this? So I guess there might've been some pride in there for sure. Of There definitely was some, 
okay, well, that's wrong. And now this is right. There was some of that, which I think is natural for the brain to go to the mind because we just want answers. Like, yeah. And when your world, essentially, I can say is falling apart because of something you've been so immersed in, it's different than you just go to a job and then leave. Your church and your religion isn't some place you go one to two times a week. Those are the people you're around. Those are the conversations you're having. Um, it's supposed to influence your life outside of being in a church on a Sunday morning. So it does feel like this world that you've lived in, that you've constructed in your mind. It's like, well, what do I believe? Who am I? Um, so there definitely was those stages of grief, like denial, um, sadness, anger, um, which was interesting to navigate outside of, you know what I mean? Like losing a job or, you know, somebody passing away. Like, I'm like, I'm grieving over leaving my religion. It was a very, it was short lived for me, um, which I'm grateful for, but um, it definitely was an intense few months of those emotions and feeling and processing deconstructed basically. Yeah, I can imagine. And like you said, that rush for our our mind to find what we believe now because that in between <laughs> that like wow everything I thought was true is not looking so true anymore then what's true instead you know but that but that you know that's sort of artificial and that's just a mind looking for something else to grab onto so that place of it almost like a free fall um and I think that happens even in spirituality sometimes you know people just <laughs> kind of start to realize new things and see, oh my gosh, like things are not the way I thought they were, but I can imagine for what you went through for sure. It's, yeah, just to go through all of that emotion. And um, so at any point in that, I mean, did you sort of, I don't know how to ask it. Like, did you, were you just curious about what felt most right? Or what was like the driver for you? Were you looking for, truth? Were you looking for where you could just be comfortable and happy? Like, were you wanting your religion to be right so you could hang out there? Were you wanting it to be wrong? Maybe all, a little bit of all of that. Um, I wasn't wanting it to be right. So I knew to go there. I don't even want to say it would have been comfortable to just stay. It would have been, it would have been more uncomfortable to try to fake it and stay there, right? And convince myself, okay, yeah. this is right. Just stay here because it's comfortable. That would have been, I, I don't even think I thought about doing that. For me, it became more just following that knowing. There were definitely points in my life that I knew I had to do something and it just made sense. Like I ended up taking a leave of absence for my job and moving abroad one year. Um, I knew I had to leave my teaching job and I was like, I don't know. I just, I just know I have to do it. Like it thought would come in. I'm like, well, what are you going to do for this? And what's this going to look like? And I'm like, I don't know. I just have to do it. Yeah. And this fell in that category for me of like, I'm not going back. I, I don't know how this is going to look. I don't know what's going to happen with certain relationships. I'm sure conversations will be had. Um, but for me, it was just following that knowing intuition, wisdom, whatever that was inside of me, 
which very interestingly was, quote, the voice of God that I would accredit years before. I'm like, this is that same feeling. But now I'm having this unction and this leading and having all these questions about these constructs that we believe and these truths that we created. And I'm attributing it to the same voice that I followed for all these years in my religion. So that was an interesting dynamic. Um, but I always trusted that. I see voice inside me and that feeling in my gut. Um, And I'm like, well, it never steered me wrong in the past. And this was also bringing a lot more peace. Um, Like for me personally, questioning hell and questioning some other beliefs around this being Satan and um, heaven. And I don't know, when I started questioning them and just kind of letting them not have so much authority and weight I'm like this just feels more natural and more peaceful and the things I was looking for for so long in my religion of I almost felt like I was striving for peace and striving for joy and trying to create that just naturally it just was naturally there and I'm like things I've been striving for for so long just are here. And I'm like, well, what if this has always been here and I just never noticed it? What if this is our natural state and we don't have to strive for this? Um, It made life simpler. Love that. I love how, how there's so much momentum in favor of us just moving toward what makes sense and what's Mm -hmm. simple and what feels good to us. You know, we can for sure, I mean, your whole story is such a great example of how we can get really, really identified with a lot of ideas and and, and truly just be in them. Like that is our reality. And we all are. We all are all the time. Right now, we're all completely Mm -hmm. identified. Like our reality is a bunch of beliefs, you know, but but that, that feeling and that ease and that just naturally wanting to fall into something that just makes sense to us and just feels good is so strong. And that sounds like you're saying that's kind of what guided you through this. Yeah, it was, I think just my, right? Like I don't, we don't know what to call it, right? That's why we create names for things because we can't explain it. Um, I think it was just my, I would say like my innate, well-being and health and that joy and that peace, I just started to follow that rather than trying to do something else to get that. I'm like, well, what if I just went with what felt right for me? Um, and in that, what really, I don't want to say what settled it, but what proved to me or showed me that following what I just felt was right was the right thing to do is the eating disorder that I struggled with for almost 20 years naturally just started to fall away. And I'm like, okay, I must be doing something quote right here or right for me is what I'll say. Um, Because something I struggled with for so long and tried to control and have different beliefs around and 
especially within my religion, right? Like I could, I don't, I don't want to, I don't need to go down those rabbit trails, but something that I was trying to use to control this habit of thinking that led to a certain action was naturally falling away just because, um, I think some of it had to do with what I believed about myself, that I wasn't broken. I didn't need to be fixed. Um, I started just having different insights of that. Just my thought around the eating disorder. I remember one day standing in the kitchen and thinking, what if I have these thoughts for the rest of my life to want to binge? Could I be okay with that? I was like, well, I had this conversation with myself of like, well, I guess I could. And then a thought came of, well, what if I don't have to do what I'm thinking? And it was just like this light bulb moment of, wait, I have a choice. And I think some of that thinking stemmed from, oh, I have a choice that I could leave my religion. Because in that world, right? Like you follow these truths and these beliefs that are created by the organization, the institution. So I think me just having more choice in my life of what I did and how I acted and what I, what I chose to believe just opened up this door to, oh, I don't, I'm not my thinking. I, I'm not an addict. I'm not bulimic. Like, what if I have a choice in this? Yeah. Um, And that kind of just opened up a lot of freedom. Um, And it just changed my relationship with food almost naturally. And I did go to therapy in there. Um, That was even before I had some of those insights. Um, But it's just interesting that the biggest change I had with this habit just came from wisdom inside of me. I love that. I love that. And it really is just so helpful for people to hear, I think, that we just kind of start to see something in any area of life. And the, and it just kind of has a domino effect like that. When we start to question anything or we start to get, uh, just lean into, I don't know. I don't know what's true. I don't know. I don't know who I am. You know, some of that, it's like, it'll spill over into any area of life where we're using, we're clinging to thought and belief to try to manage Mm -hmm. things. And yeah, that's really cool how that happens. And there is a, there's definitely a freedom on this side for me. Um, It's like, I don't, I don't have to know. I don't want to know like a set truth. Um, I don't know. It just makes you more open to things, open to life. It's freeing. It's more natural. I know I keep saying more peace and joy, but I don't know. It's um, a lot of things that I looked for in that world, in the institution and church, I have on this side just by being. Um, and not to say that people do not experience peace and joy and freedom, you know, from something, um, by going into, um, church or religion, you know, or spirituality. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think it's just trusting, 
I don't want to say trusting yourself, but maybe trusting that voice inside you, that wisdom, that unction. Um, and just knowing what's best for you. Um, and if that's in a church for a person, that's great. That's where they are. And if it's outside of it, if that's where you know you're supposed to truly be, then that's where you're supposed to be. Um, I think the most freedom for me is that I don't, I don't need to know. And that for me, that's huge. I yeah. don't need to have an answer. Wow. That is huge. Did you have support as you were going through this? Um, I had, interestingly enough, um, I went to a best friend and just happened to, you know, I thought I was going to blow up her world and say, uh, I don't know what I think about hell. And she just smirked at me and she's like, yep, I've been there for about a year or so. I'm like, what? You, you didn't tell me? And I'm glad she didn't tell me what she was going through because she didn't want her beliefs and her new thoughts and her insights to like blow up someone else's world or influence them. She believes everyone's on their own journey. Um, So it was interesting. We started having these conversations and I found out my closest friend and I were deconstructing at the same time. Wow. A couple months um, right after I started I have another best friend. Um, we've never lived in the same city. All of our communication and building our friendship has been over social media or the phone or apps, video apps. And she ended up saying something to me. And I'm like, yep, I've been there for a couple months. So it was interesting how my two best friends, we kind of all went through it together, but very differently. Um, and then I did have two other friends um, who were in the church that, when I needed like historical context or references to read, um, I reached out to them and they were the two that I think for a good year of questioning, we would have discussions over video apps. And I will say if it wasn't for those two male friends who I'm not going to say their name or their positions or anything, um, they, if it was not for them, I don't know how I would be on the other side of it if I didn't have that space to just talk and throw out questions that a lot of other people would judge me for, condemn me for. They were very open um, and very loving. And I did have some amazing support. And I don't know how many people have that because it is a scary thing. Um, when you go to leave that because it's it can be um and i think that is one thing i want to provide for people i just want to provide the space for people to just be um and just know whatever their thoughts are there's no judgment it's there's no right or wrong way to think um and just I don't know, allowing whatever's coming through them to come through them in this process of deconstructing um, and being just the space for them. I think that's just so important. And I'm so glad that you as a change coach can do this work for people and help them because, you know, there's so much in what you shared and what we know about how humans work where it's like thoughts like you, you shared it beautifully in your story. It's like all of a sudden thoughts just started showing up. Like, wait a minute, why do we believe this? And it doesn't feel right. And it doesn't make sense. And naturally, in some ways, this deconstruction process 
feels like it happened really naturally with you just being present to what was showing up and then eventually following what felt right. And it's like you, I'm just imagining like this big knot, you know, that you kind of pull a little bit loose and it just starts to all unravel and fall apart. But man, how hard that could be if you're doing that completely alone because all of these new thoughts that are coming in are conflicting at times with what authority people have told you and maybe what your family believes. And I can just see how easy it would be to get really tangled up in that. So even just through the process, even as it's untangling, you know, to, to, for us to step in and try to help it and figure out what's right. And, you know, just how hard, how much harder it would be if we were left to do that with just our own thinking. So it really feels like one of these areas where just having someone exactly like you said, that just has no judgment and is not trying to solve anything for you at all or give you anything new to believe, but is just being that space for you to voice things could be just huge, hugely helpful. Yeah. And when you're in a church, a community like that, I mean, those are your friends that not always your family, but it can be your family. You don't really associate too much with people outside of that. So yeah. It's not like you can go to your best friend because she's probably in the church, right? And have this honest conversation. Um, and then on the flip side, there are communities who have deconstructed. So sometimes people flip-flop. They go from being in the church to finding a community that is sometimes anti-church and some can be a little bit more negative and bitter. Um, so it is interesting. People kind of go there. And I don't know, sometimes it can be more of a victim thing, Mm -hmm. um, which that's clearly obviously a stage of grieving. But I do feel sometimes people can get stuck there. Um, And then that can kind of become their world and their belief and their thinking. And there can be a lot of heaviness in that. And there doesn't need to be, I don't think. Yeah, that's huge. How how is that for you now? So you moved through some of that as you shared, but like when you look back now at your years in the church and all of that, how does it feel when you look at it now? Um, I don't have, it's, it's how my life went. Um, I don't have a lot of thinking around it. Um, there's certain things that pop up in life that, my brain probably just wants an explanation for and goes back. And it's like, well, if I didn't grow up in the church, I probably wouldn't be (laughs) thinking or acting that way. But I'm like, anybody can say that about anything. If I didn't have that family, right. If I didn't take that vacation, like we, we can attribute to what's going on now to anything in our life. So that's, that's just our thinking and us trying to figure it out. Um, Our brain trying to give us a reason for something, but Um, yeah, I mean, it, like anything, it's not all negative. Um, I guess it can just be how you think about it, Mm -hmm. but that's, it's, I guess I'm not saying much to answer your question, which means that it's just how life took me. Yeah. It's, it's just what happened. And, and there is some part of it too. Like I was young when I got into it. So almost innocently, like. I was 12. I mean, maybe I would have a different answer if I was 30 and, you know, more so chose it. Mm -hmm. Um, But still, even if I was 30 and chose it at that point, I mean, I did, I still chose to stay in it when I was adult, right? 
Um, so I don't know. It was just, I guess, part of my life, part of my experience. And I try not to get too wrapped up in the thinking of it. Yeah. Um, cause there is a lot of talk around, and this is, and I do need, want to make a disclaimer if anyone's listening who has gone through severe abuse and trauma in the church. Like if there was sexual abuse or anything like that, that's not to diminish it. But I think we can get caught up in a lot of story in our head. And when that becomes heavy, we can, I feel what I'm seeing in some conversations is that we're just throwing out words like spiritual trauma and spiritual abuse. And that's not to diminish that that's not a thing. But I think just looking for meaning of what happened to us in a, in a church, we can kind of throw it out like, oh, well, that was spiritual trauma, um, which can just be the brain, right? Looking for reason and explanation of what happened to me, yeah. which is natural. Yeah. Um, and like I said, I don't want to make that light because that definitely is a thing that happens. Um, but I think us just looking for val- validation, we can kind of throw that term out there. Um, And I just wonder how much of that is just we're stuck in our thinking about what happened to us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love, I love that, that, you know, I love that that question's kind of hard to answer because you're just sort of like, well, I don't know. It's just what happened in my life. And again, if we ask anyone, yeah, like, well, how was uh, fifth grade for you? I I mean, unless something major happened in fifth grade that you're Mm -hmm. holding on to, you know, it's like, oh, it was fifth grade. It's done. I'm here now. And so to me, that that really kind of just speaks to um, this beautiful place where, like you said, you're okay just not having answers for everything and not knowing everything and that and not just okay in that, but that that's just freedom and it's really peaceful. Um, and that's kind of, you know, that's what I think we want for everyone. And again, it's so like you mentioned, it's so natural for our mind to make up a story about, oh, I had to go through this for these reasons, or it's this or it's that, or be still in resentment or bitter. And, and no, there's nothing wrong with anything at any point along that journey. Mm-hmm. Um, but to feel, I can feel kind of just that completion within you and that piece of like, well, it, you know, that was what happened. And if, and it feels really, life feels really light and free and open now compared to that. And that's kind of all you need. Yeah. I mean, isn't that really what everyone wants? Yeah. It's just this freer feeling and this peaceful feeling and just openness. And I would say like just this contentment with themselves and not having to strive, which we can go to many different things to look for that. We're just talking about one specific area, church, um, in this podcast. And yeah, I just, I trust that. And that's not to say that anyone who's on a journey um, of deconstructing that when those thoughts come up and those feelings come up of anger and questioning why and that's still okay too, right? Like that's just what our brain does because it wants to know why. It wants reason. It wants answers. Um, and so there is no judgment for anyone who feels, quote, like they're they're stuck, you know, in their past, even after they left. Like, you're still okay. There's 
no judgment if you don't have this free, peaceful, peaceful, open feeling. Yeah. It's always changing. It's always, always, and it always will. Well, I'm so, thank you so much for sharing your story. I I love this conversation and I think, um, think it's going to resonate with people on a lot of different levels for sure. You know, people who feel caught up in something, uh, an institution or organization or something. But again, there's just so much in here that's universal that we feel in different ways. And I'm really grateful that you do this work for people. So if people are listening and you're in this situation or you can relate in any way, um, we'll share Rebecca's information and you can reach out to her because it's super important. So thank you so much, Rebecca. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed this so much. The Little School of Big Change Fall 2020 course begins in just four weeks. If you sense that there are some old beliefs you'd like to see around, like Rebecca, I'd love for you to join me in this guided course. You'll have lifetime access to the brand new and improved LSBC curriculum, as well as 12 live calls with me, anytime coaching and conversation on our private forum throughout the course, and a lot more. We're so confident that the school will help you the way it's helped thousands of people before you, that we offer a money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. Head over to the littleschoolofbigchange.com to save your seat. And I really hope to see you in school this fall.